Father, we give you thanks for another Sunday to come together and to worship you and to be in community, to look into your word, to submit ourselves to your word because your spirit of God, you speak to us through it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a work in our community that causes us, I don't, I'm not worried about church growth. I'm just passionate about kingdom advancement. To see people come to Jesus, surrender to the lordship of Christ. Father, I want to see us, and I know that you do as well, I want to see us so aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit to be led by you daily, hourly, minute by minute, not just this with these occasional experiences, but truly engaged in this incredible intimacy with you that you offer us. God, I pray that you would move in us and that this community would mimic what you wanted it to be in the book of Acts. That we would get real and honest before you that we would long for more of you, that there is supposed to be this difference, God, that we know you and Holy Spirit, you live in us. And if that's the case, we should look different, we should feel different, we should be different. So I pray that you would forgive us where we've missed it, that you'd encourage us where we haven't, that you'd move us and propel us forward and to being spirit-led, loving Jesus with everything to the glory of the Father. God, as we open your word, I pray for humility for all of us to receive it. God, I pray that you'd help me to be true to it, that I would handle it correctly, realizing the massive responsibility that you've given to me to teach and to preach your word. God, please keep me humble as I teach God, may it be filled with your grace and your boldness. And may we see life transformation. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone who agrees says, amen, amen. <clears throat> okay, so like I said, we're gonna take a little bit of break from Colossians, like I said, one or two weeks. And it might come from this book. How many of you have ever heard of this book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire? A couple of you. And, and the staff and I, well, we got it, and then I started having to miss staff meetings, so it's like, we're going to read this, but it's going to take a month for us to actually get together and talk about the first chapter. But I read it. I read the whole thing last week. Like I said, I have a lot of time, and I, and I love it because I get time to just spend time with the Lord and to read. And the whole book is pretty much about prayer. And it convicted me again. Like I always say, we should be a people of prayer. We should be a people of prayer. Did you know, did you realize that there are about four or five, maybe six, depending on the week, people who meet here from 9.15 to 9.45 and mod three to pray? And I've gone in a few times and I, was, I, I try to sneak in, but it's kind of hard because the modulars kind of creak when you walk in. So it's just, it sounds like I'm interrupting, which I am. And I kind of sit quietly and I just listen as they're praying for the world. They're praying for Christians. They're praying for people who don't know the Lord to come to know Jesus. They're praying for world events. They're praying for this worship gathering. They're praying for me. They're praying for our church and our impact in the community. And I love it. 
And then I started thinking, what would it look like and how would you feel if all of a sudden continue to do that? But what if you walked in on a Sunday morning and instead of the, instead of the first stroke of a guitar or, or a drum at 10, what if the first 10 minutes was just quiet before God to pray? Like would all of a sudden we go, why aren't they starting on time? Because I feel like there's this, this concept in the scriptures that we're called to wait on the Lord and not just jump in, but wait. What if, it, what if God wants to do something different than I've had planned all week? Like, what if he wants me to stop, and col- stop for Colossians and take a week or two and do something else and jump back in? And what if all of a sudden, what if he goes, hey, I don't want you to speak today at all. I just want you to pray. You're like, that would never happen because church isn't church unless somebody preaches. Here's what I think is the necessity. In Acts chapter one, Jesus is getting ready to ascend into the heavens. And he's got his disciples around him. And verse six, it says, and so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And I wonder how many of you would look at Jesus if he were here in the flesh and you would look and go, okay, is now the time we're gonna restore the United States of America to its quote unquote glory? Because that is the focus for you. Because it's got to go back to what it was. And do you notice what Jesus says? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. You know, that's just a polite way of saying it's none of your business. And we don't like when it's none of our business. Why? Because everything's our business. We jump into everyone's business. And yet we'll look at the passages of scripture when Paul says, you know what, learn to live a quiet life. Don't be busybodies jumping into everything. But then he says this next part, but you, it's almost like, okay, I know that this is your concern, but that's all to God. That's what the father's about. Verse eight, but you will receive power. I think the Greek word there is dunamis. It's where we get our word for dynamite. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses, and many have heard me preach this before, but that, that Greek word for witness there is the Greek word martus, which is another word for martyr. A martyr is a person who dies out of their faith because they love Jesus, that they're willing to give up their life to say, I love Jesus. And yet, doesn't, that does, even that part, that doesn't seem to fit our narrative that all, God always, quote unquote, saves the day at the perfect time. Guys, do you realize there's more Christians that are martyred today than any point in history? There are more Christians that are persecuted today than any other point in history. So is God failing those Christians? Like at some point, did God forget about them? Or do they have the same response when they get to, what if? Remember in Acts chapter seven, when Stephen is being stoned to death and while it's happening, he says, and I see heaven opening. And I look up and I'm seeing, I see the Son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. Is it possible that those who are martyred experience the same thing and they wouldn't trade it because they're gonna go be with Jesus whom they love the most anyways? Isn't it weird that our word for witness is also connected to the word martyr? Followers of Jesus, us witnessing Witnessing to people who don't know Jesus might cause people to not like us. And it's okay. And our response should be the same as that of Jesus toward those who hated him. That while they were crucifying him, what? What did he do? He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
That no matter what people say, and this is not coming from a person who's mastered it. Friends, I feel like for a while, I've kind of had a degree in trash talk. I like it. I like to win at it. And I'm now getting convicted going, okay, maybe I'm not supposed to just react in everything that I want to say, but maybe pull back and just take it. And take it for a little bit. And if there's anything that's true and I can agree with it. When I'm told in the Bible that if it be God will that you suffer for his name, I mean, Peter wrote about that. That what if today is a day that God says it is my will that you suffer for Jesus? Is Jesus still worth it? Or has Jesus been the, I'll do this so long as Jesus does that? It's no longer a Lord relationship where he's Lord and we are his servants. He's God the Father and we're his children. It's now this bartering relationship that sounds like more of a business transaction. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses or my martyrs in where? Jerusalem, home, in all Judea, the area, Samaria, those that you can't stand and who hate you and the ends of the earth. You're just gonna go, you're gonna keep going. Now, does this mean that I think that everyone's supposed to jump on a plane and just do the amazing race around the world? No, but I believe this, that all of us are missionaries. All of us are called to go make disciples. Like, it's not, well, you have, okay, you like evangelism, you go do that. I like to just kind of sit around and have Bible studies. That's discipleship. I'll do that. Guys, discipleship is not supposed to be separate from evangelism. It all goes together. And it would be horrible if I all of a sudden just go, okay, you just bring them, bring them here, I'll preach, they'll hear me preach, I'll get to see God do this great work through something, hopefully I did, they hear Jesus, they meet Jesus, they surrender to Jesus, and then you're done. Guys, why? Because there is so much joy in getting to see someone come to Jesus and to see God use you to accomplish it. The same spirit of God that is in me is the same spirit of God that is in you. And the reason I know that you're not done with what God has called you to do yet is because you're not in a casket. You're not dead yet. And if you're not dead, you're still part of the mission. You'll receive power. Isn't it amazing? You'll receive power. And the first thing that he connects it to is witness. Not so you can have the blessed life now. That everything goes perfect as planned the perfect this and the perfect Latin, and you'll just feel good every day. He goes, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you so you can be my witnesses, but to be witnesses of Jesus, we actually have had to met him and see what it is that he's done. And that's all that Jesus says, and then he ascends. And he, I mean, I've got, I'll be honest, if I was there to watch a guy just start floating up into the heavens, that's gonna leave me pretty changed. And he's just going up and they're all just staring there and standing at, or standing there and staring at him. And then these two men, it'd be the angelic beings in verse, verse 10 and 11, they say, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it's almost like, why are you just standing here looking up? Didn't he tell you to go do something? He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. So why are you doing this? And I wonder how many of the angelic beings might show up today for Christians, at least here in the States, and go, why are you guys just standing there, wait, standing there waiting for Jesus to come back? You're not gonna miss it, I promise. The second one's not gonna be, it's not gonna be like the first. The first, only shepherds knew when Jesus was born. 
It's almost like incognito. It's like camouflage. He showed up. Nobody knew. The second the return of Jesus, the world will know. Everyone will know. It will not be secret. He will not come in a whisper. Can't you just imagine all of creation rumbling at the coming of Jesus, the second coming of Christ? So it's not like you need to pay attention. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Just let him come. But until then, we've got a job to do. We've got a mission that we get to be part of. And so they go back to this room and they wait. And in chapter two, it says they're all together. You get to, that's kind of, a, kind of a weird experience. Verse two, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. I want to see that. Does anybody else want to see that kind of stuff? Like, oh, he's not going to do it anymore. Why not? Like, why, why wouldn't God do that kind of stuff today? It's like, well, he doesn't need to do that. I'm, and there's actually, and I'm, this isn't a slam and I don't want to disrespect anyone. I just have this conviction that God still does the miraculous. And yet there will be people who say, no, there's, it's like, there's this cessationalist that God has ceased from doing the miracles. And like, if that's the, tr- if that's the case, then salvation should never happen again because that's the greatest, that's the greatest miracle. And when I'm told the only reason that God did the miracles in the New Testament like he did is to make sure that people, they, they're becoming aware. It's kind of vol- to bring validity to the teachings of Jesus, to bring validity to the, to, the, to the church and what the church was. Do you really believe that we're at a place in our world where God doesn't need to continue to do that? It's not like I think that we've just hit this moral high ground now. I think we've kind of declined. So why would God go, I'm not gonna do anything special They've got enough. It's enough. Can you imagine all of a sudden we're just standing here and you just hear like sound like rushing water, rushing wind, and all of a sudden these things that look like tongues on fire, they're just sitting above you. What would you do? Take a picture, <laughs> post it. Everyone posts the same thing. You see the great sunset, everyone posts the same sunset. If you see tongues of fire floating over your head, you might want to take a picture just to remember the experience because this should blow our minds. And then it says this in verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When it says other tongues, this is actually different languages. Guys, if all of a sudden I just bust out into some Spanish and it's not just ordering lunch, you know God's doing something because I am so gringo white. There's no way that anything that's, that sounds anything like Spanish is coming out of my mouth real well except burrito and taco. That's all that's coming. But if all of a sudden I just start speaking, those of you who speak Spanish natively, if I just start flowing, I sound like a native, you know it's the Holy Spirit. And that's what's happening. All these different, all these different people groups in different languages, they hear them speaking in their native tongue. And you know what some said? Some are blown away and astonished and others go, they're drunk. Because I've heard that's what happens. When you get plastered, all of a sudden you're able to speak Dutch. Somehow that happens. Isn't it amazing how, quick, how quickly people will make sure that they get rid of the miraculous of God because it makes us uncomfortable. And if we're really honest, if you kind of grow up in a really conservative church, the Holy Spirit's kind of neglected. We don't really talk about him all that much. If we really follow the Holy Spirit and you read the book of Acts and you see what the Holy Spirit did and you see what the Holy Spirit called people to do, 
I think we'd be a little bit more uncomfortable, at least for a while until we got used to it. Then all of a sudden, maybe we'd actually see these, these same kinds of things happening where people come to Jesus left and right. And God speaks a word into you that you can speak into somebody else that's very specific for the time. So that's what happens here in chapter two. And then Peter preaches his first sermon. His first sermon. This is the same guy that when the little servant girl came up to him and said, hey, you were with him. When Jesus is, he's being interrogated and he's in the, high, the, the courtyard of the high priest's house. And the little girl goes, you were with him. He's like, I don't know the man. No, no, you were. I don't know him. Another guy comes, I can tell. I can tell by your accent. And he calls curses down on, from heaven. I don't know the man. This same Peter is now standing before thousands of people. What's the only difference? There's two. One, he saw the resurrected Jesus. And two, the Spirit of God came on him. It's not Peter it's not us, it's him. And he preaches this message and he is bold. He's bold. He actually accuses them of killing the author of life. Guys, that is not a seeker sensitive message. I don't want to say it too much because what will people think? How will they feel if I say it too hard? Peter just goes for it. When they ask, hey, what must we do to be, to be saved? Because it says, I think it's here in verse uh, 37. It says, this they were cut to, now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's just convicted. Guys, you know why we'll preach sin? You know why I want to preach the totality of the scriptures and not just the parts that make people feel good? It's because I want people cut to the heart. I want to be cut to the heart there's a necessity to preach sin so people actually know that they need a savior, right? And when you preach sin, actually the gospel's more beautiful because of that. But I wanna teach the whole thing so that people are cut to the heart so they realize I need a savior, but I need to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. And then they say, what must we do to be saved? And he says this, repent, verse 30. Oh my gosh, I think my font shrunk. Verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love the phrase, it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Follower of Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to Christ according to Ephesians chapter one, according to the scriptures, the Holy Spirit of God is in you. Does that blow your mind at all? This limitless God of the universe is in you to lead, guide, counsel, to convict, to encourage. He's in you, not just with you. He's in you. But would we notice if he left us for a day? Would we even notice? Are we so used to just doing the thing that we're used to doing? Guys, you realize that in that one day, after that one message, 3,000 souls were baptized and believed in Jesus and were added to the family of God. One message from one person who had never preached before. That's humbling as a preacher. But here comes Peter, just, and he's, all he's doing is, he's just teaching the same way that he heard Jesus teach. He quotes the Old Testament, he brings up, he brings up things, he confronts the people. The Holy Spirit has filled him for this purpose. All he did was preach about Jesus and 3,000 were added. What's stopping us? That's one message from one person in one place. 
One message from one person in one place. And we have followers of Jesus all over the world. And we can do the same thing. And then the church is quote unquote born. Starts with 120, now there's 3,120. Did you notice I did the math, how quick that was? Super smart. Guys, in one day, it... and you know what they did? They put together all these buildings in rows and then they had to find all these preachers and they did all these things to make sure they had all these programs and events. So now we're gonna reach out to people without preaching the gospel, we're just gonna reach out to people. Hopefully they'll come and be part of what we're doing. No, no, no. All of a sudden, it just starts talking about this church. They devoted themselves, verse 42, chapter two. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. That's what they continually devoted themselves to do. How, so how do we apply this? The apostles' teaching, guys, we are gonna be a, we're gonna be a community. We will be people of the book. We will preach the Bible. They devoted themselves to that, to the fellowship, the family. One of the best things I've heard this morning, you know what it was? When Alyssa comes up and says, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to share? And she says, I just feel like I want to tell you, I just love our church. Yes, the fellowship. There's something about this community that I adore. The breaking of bread. That's not just getting fries and a burger. I think that that's a constant reminder or remembrance of, of the sacrifice of Jesus through, through, the, through communion. Even though it would be connected to a meal as known as the love feast, but it's this reminder of what it is that Jesus had done for us and then to prayer. And what if we committed to all four and not just the ones we preferred, but especially the last one, to prayer. Guys, isn't it amazing that all this stuff is happening through prayer. 3,000 people come to Jesus. They didn't plan any of it. They didn't plan it. They didn't have speakers or a microphone. They didn't have anything. There's no worship team that jumped up. There wasn't like, and then Peter, as he finished, and he, all of a sudden he called Haley up and Haley grabbed the guitar and they just went for it and started singing stuff. And, and then after that, they had people come forward. You pray with them. And then they had to help get all these things organized. They just went for it. And then they had to figure out how, what do we do as the church now? After they devoted themselves to that, here's what they did. They hung out together. They worshiped together. They took care of each other. That's it. That's all they did. It's all they did. They had favor with all the people. Everyone around them who weren't followers of Jesus, they loved the church. They loved the Christians. And what was the result? And I remember preaching this and saying this before and I had a person, he's a super smart guy, smarter than I am, comes up and says, this is not the church that's supposed to be the model. Actually, the church that's supposed to be the model is whatever one he said, I can't remember. And I said, well, think about it. I think this is supposed to be the model because the last verse says this. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How do you know that God loves a church? God will continue to use that church to bring people into the church. I look at that, I go, doesn't that sound simple? Not easy, but simple. So all this is happening in chapter three. Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. <laughs> they're going there to pray. This is three in the afternoon. As they're going, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this, this is verse two. And, and a, a man lame from birth was being carried whom they, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. 
Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, I have no silver or gold. Can you imagine? All he wants is your money. This is what he did every day. Hey, look at me. Okay. I ain't got no money. Well, what are we doing this for? Guys, I guarantee this man did not wake up thinking, everything's going to change today. All he thought is, I'm going to do the same thing I did yesterday, and hopefully I'll get enough to live. He says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have, I give to you. Friends, if you have a paper Bible and you don't mind doing this, underline that statement. But what I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. Why? Because what we have is supposed to be given away. We don't have the gospel so that we have it for ourselves. We have the gospel so we can give it away. We have it so we can give it away. But what I have, I give to you. Now watch this. And this is boldness. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, little podunk, 40 square acre town, Nazareth. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. I don't know that I've got that boldness. It doesn't say they prayed for him. It doesn't even say that the Holy Spirit told him, do this. They just said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I love this part. He took him by the right hand. That's good. And raised him up. Because what if the guy didn't believe it? You ever wonder why it says that part? Why didn't he just get up on his own? What if the guy, it doesn't say in the passage, so don't, don't take this to the grave as gospel truth. I have no clue. I'm just guessing. What if the guy sat there and just didn't really believe that it happened? I don't think there's anything magical about Peter. What if he sat there and was like, what? And Peter goes, give me your hand. Boom, brings him up. And what if the guy's like, no, 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 until he stood up. <laughs> Can you imagine Peter going, it worked. Oh, it worked. John's like, you did it. It worked. Raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And I love it. Verse eight, and leaping up. Guys, if you couldn't walk for however long this guy couldn't walk, wouldn't it be the first thing that you do to make sure you jump? Just don't turn an ankle because you're not used to it. But wouldn't this be the first thing to leap up because you can I don't have this, but what I have, I give to you. God, I can't do all of it, but what I have, I'll give to you. And then he calls us to go out, and I look at people and go, okay, I can't do much, but what I can, what I do have, I give to you. What do I have? Jesus. The gospel, salvation, I have this. I can give this to you. Why? Because the gospel is always meant to be given away. Verse 18, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. So next week when you show up to the worship gathering, I want you to be biblical. I want you to walk in here walking, and I want to see everyone leap. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I want you to leap. Leap to your chair like a gazelle. Why would he do this? It's like, because everyone's supposed to. No, it's just called joy. Guys, when's the last time we are so moved by what it is that God has done in us that we just have to jump? We just have to go for it. You know why I like youth camps? It's not because I'm cool. I don't look the part. Guys, I wear, 
I wear New Balance tennis shoes, shorts, and a t-shirt. I look nothing like cool when I show up. I'm this old guy. Even guys, I sweat down to my navel. I'm sweating like crazy. Even a guy looked at me. They told me afterwards, as I'm sweating up there, the guy looks to a person next. Should I bring him a towel? Should I get him some water? Should we call an ambulance? It's like he didn't know what to do. I'm like, this is normal. I got an email from Hume where I'm going next, and they told me to bring my own headset. Why? Because I've I've burned out two of the headset mics because I sweat all over it. And this girl's never met me. She goes, um, if you can, can you bring your own headset? But if you don't have one, then it's okay. And I'm like, well, why would you even ask if you're not sure that I have one, except I have this gossiping thing happening up in Hume Lake? <laughs> I don't look the part. I don't play the part. But when I watch a bunch of high schoolers who are standing their hands in their pockets and a couple of their hands, their hands raised in the beginning of the week, but at the end of the week, they're rushing forward to the front And during worship, they're just like this. You're like, oh, that's just an experience. But they're having one. But how many of you need to be resuscitated back to the joy that comes with following the Lord? I almost were brought to tears. I got teary watching them on Friday night as they're just up there jumping and and the band finishes their song and what do these kids do? One more song. One more song. Why? So they could worship. It meant less preaching time. How dare they? But they just worshiped. They just went for it. And I'm like, God, what you do in five and a half days where students are focused in, meeting together daily, quote unquote, in the temple courts, worshiping, studying your word, living in community, praying, being broken, being honest with one another. Welcome to the church. It blows my mind how it happens. You say, well, it's just the mountain air. You're 7,000 feet up. Great, closer to Jesus. That's fine, whatever it takes. But I'm so moved by it. I'm moved when I see 200 and something kids out of 360 stay back. I was moved when I saw a group of eight or 10 high school guys all huddled up and one youth pastor with them, but all the kids are praying together And it doesn't have to happen one week out of the year at a place. It should happen all the time. That's why I want to move us into this place that, hey, there's going to be times I just say, won't you pray with people that are around you? Oh, then we'll have to meet people. I know, but isn't that what some of you said there go, I'm just not meeting people. I'm just giving you away. What if we did it like that? We saw God do the same thing that he did here. And I love verse 11, while he clung to Peter and John, he wouldn't let him go. He just clung to them. Utterly astounded, I'm sorry, Peter and John, all the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, watch, here's this guy that used to be terrified. He addressed the people and preached sermon number two. Guys, if I, read, if I read it, the whole thing, guys, it might take me two minutes. And some of you are sitting there going, why don't you be biblical? Why don't you preach a two-minute message? Shh. Guys, do you realize that 5,000 people came to surrender to Jesus as their Lord that day? And it's the same gospel as today? 
But then of course it ticked off some people. It didn't tick off the people that didn't really know God. It ticked off the people who thought that they did. The Sadducees hear Peter talking about Jesus who was resurrected from the dead. Temple authorities come walking in and they, they put them in custody for the night. Guys, I can't even imagine. Can you imagine that's how it worked today? If all of a sudden one you tick me off, get over here. And they put handcuffs and you're gonna sit in here on the stage. And you think about it till morning. Well, that's what they did to him. They put him in jail, church jail. The next day they come to him and I love it. Watch verse seven of chapter four. When they set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? When you go back to chapter one, verse eight, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. By what power did Peter do this? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse eight, watch it. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the answer. Said to the rulers of the people, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, watch it, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Why is that so important? Because these are the same people that made sure that Jesus was murdered a couple months before this. And here's Peter accusing them of murdering the Messiah. Boldness. Verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. He's quoting the Old Testament. And then followers of Jesus, do we believe this? Verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And that's how he finishes it. We are convinced of this. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That, guys, every person on the planet needs to hear about Jesus. And not then that we as Christians jump into this debate, theological debate about chosen and not and who's, who's really saved and who's not and when for God so loved the world, was it really the world or just the ones who had really come to know Jesus, just the chosen? Guys, who cares? Isn't it amazing how we like to debate while we ignore those who don't know Christ? We just go and share. Brian, I don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I don't either. And I've told you for the longest time, I've been scared, but guys, I'm telling you over the last couple of years, the more you do it, you kind of start liking it. The more you ask for boldness, why would the Holy Spirit go, no, I don't want you to be bold for me. Absolutely not, just sit there. Ask for boldness, and then how do you know he gave it to you? You get up, and you go out, and you find that first person freaking out, sweating under your armpits, and you just go for it. Because we actually believe that what we have is the most important thing, that what we have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you. What I have, I give to you because of what Jesus has done in my life. I wanna see him do it in yours. And ultimately, for you to be restored with God in relationship with him, to see revival in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our cities, states, this nation, guys, I'm convinced the world, what the world needs most, not legislation, they need Jesus. You wanna see things closed down that's not of God? We preach the gospel. 
Abortion clinics close, more people come to Christ. Strip, I think strip clubs should shut down. Why? Because people are coming to Christ. I think porn sites should be shut down. Why? Because people are coming to Christ. They don't need it. Brian, we still have addictions, but let's stop using that as an excuse so we can continue to sin. We fight against sin. We push against it. And we have the freedom to not have to, to bring glory to God. Because with the power of the Holy Spirit, verse 13 now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, did you see it? When they saw the boldness, the boldness, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. I love that verse. Why? You don't have to be smart to be used by Jesus. Hello? You don't have to be. This, is, this was it. They perceived that they were uneducated and common. Do I think education is helpful? Like if you're gonna be a pastor, you wanna go into ministry, is it helpful? Absolutely. Necessary? Nope. How do I know? Peter just preached two sermons, not, having, not going to seminary, and five or 8,000 people came to surrender to Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us can bring someone to Jesus. They're uneducated and common men, but they noticed their boldness in the last line, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Friends, that's the requirement. Be with Jesus, and people will notice the difference in you when you're filled by the Spirit. What's that mean to be filled by the Spirit? I thought we have the Spirit when we get Jesus. Absolutely. But every day I preach, anytime I preach, I say, God, fill me up. Holy Spirit, fill me. It's like anoint me for your purposes to preach effectively because nothing happens if you don't. It's a surrendering of myself so that Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, will do incredible things. I'm submitting to the Holy Spirit. More of you, less of me. So they threaten the disciples, the two disciples, don't talk about Jesus anymore, don't talk about Jesus. And they're like, you have to decide whether or not we're gonna obey you, but we're gonna go after God. We're gonna do what God says more than you. And so they know, it's like, okay, if you do it, this is what's gonna happen, okay. So you get to chapter four, verse uh, 23. It says, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had, done to, had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, what? Sovereign Lord, they were just arrested because they loved Jesus and yet their first proclamation about God was he's sovereign. He's in control. It's like they're saying, hey, what just happened to us was part of your plan. We can accept it. Friends, no matter what happens in our nation, in the next eight, 12, 50 years, doesn't matter. God is sovereign. He's in charge. He will accomplish everything he wants to accomplish. And even if that means that by the will of God, I should suffer, God is still sovereign. Do not ever doubt that. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by his Holy Spirit, and then guess what? They just start, they just start praying the scriptures Guys, you want to know that you're praying according to the will of God? Here's how you do it. You open the Bible and you pray the Bible. Because you're praying his word. That's all they're doing. Hey, we remember in your word you said this. And they just quote it. And then what do they do next in verse 27? He says, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. They're just looking at what's going on then and applying it to what they just said in their prayer according to what the scriptures say. 
Verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan, watch, had predestined to take place. Follower of Jesus, no matter what happens, let me teach us one thing and remind me when I start to freak out. Just do this. Just take a breath. God is sovereign. And his predestined plan, he is working to perfection. But what if, I get it, that what if is usually, what if it gets hard or what if, there's this, what if I suffer? Guys, by a show of hands, has anyone ever noticed that the suffering that we go through actually introduces you to a deeper level of who God is? And so is it not possible that God is saying, I'm going to allow you to suffer, why? So that you will see more of who I am. Guys, I don't need to see the miraculous unless I'm in something that I need the miraculous to happen. And so what's their prayer request? Here's their prayer request after being threatened about not sharing about Jesus. And now, Lord, the worship team can come back up. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants, watch, to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They pray for boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone in that room and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Did God answer the request for boldness? Yes. So what's the point? Just because I had a time away, I read a book that kind of got me fired up. Yep. What do I want to fire us up to? I want us to look like this. And I have to start with me. I can't move anybody. That's the spirit of God doing it. But I want to be that kind of follower of Jesus. Because I got to be honest, I read the book of Acts and how the church started and how it worked and how they went. And, and I know we can sit there and go, but Brian, do you understand how busy we are? I mean, we got jobs. What do you think? They didn't have jobs? They had jobs. They had things to do. They had, they had things to accomplish. They had dreams. But at some point they're like, but God, use us. And the cool thing, use us wherever we are. Keep us open to wherever we are to do whatever you want. And friends, you don't have to buy a ticket and get a passport and jump on a plane and go somewhere. You can just go across the street. Is this a guilt thing? No. I want to invite you into the joy of being used by God to see someone pass from death to life to share the gospel so that someone gets it and then to watch that person become a disciple maker? Friends, that's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And I'm humbled on a message like today that my first boss is sitting here in the seats, that 30 years ago he took a, he took a chance on this young dork, <laughs> this guy that didn't really know much and poured into me and we saw things differently on some things. And then all of a sudden I was like, man, maybe I'm different because you're right. And he poured into me. And how cool you can sit there and go, hopefully I'm pouring into others. I love the fact that like I've gotten to know Ashley for a long time doing ministry with her. And now I see her working with the youth and Zach's working with the youth. And it's just like you see volunteers that are working with students. And you see, uh, you see Alyssa who's working with the kids. And she was on my volunteer team as a high school uh, pastor. And I'm just sitting there going, God, you're doing it. You're doing it. There should be nothing stopping us. 
If the gates of hell can't withstand the church, and what are we so afraid of? We can do this when we're filled by the Spirit. But friends, we are gonna pray. We're gonna pray. There are times we gather to prayer intentionally just to pray. And here's how I wanna close the service, if you don't mind. For those of you that are comfortable doing this, I'm gonna ask that those who would be willing to pray with people, like you'll actually be close to them, if you would just stand on the sides, and if you're not, it's fine. I didn't ask anybody if they'd be willing to do this. I'm just throwing it out there. If, you're, if you say, I'd be willing to pray with people, just to have people standing on the sides up against the blue. It's kind of like you're a smurf. You're gonna be on the sides where the walls are. And if as we close with this last song, if there's anything that you want prayer for that's specific, just walk up to one of them and ask them to pray for you. If you don't wanna get up and maybe someone next to you and they didn't get up to go to the stand on the side, just ask, hey, could you pray with me? Brian, that's a little too much. I know, but I don't wanna always just ask you to do the things that everyone is super comfortable with because then we move nowhere. We don't do anything different. So as I pray, if those of you who would be willing to pray with people, if you just go stand on the sides, we're just gonna close in this last song. If nothing happens from it, so be it. But just be prepared, it's gonna happen all the time. All the time we're gonna move into this because I wanna see these kind of things happening. Not just how many people showed up to a service. Does that make sense? Let me pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this community that when I bring up this topic of prayer and being people who wanna just be used by God and people are engaging and listening and, and I see people nodding and I know that for some it's still terrifying, but God, please, Holy Spirit, fall afresh. Fall afresh on us, God, that we would be like this. Not that I wanna be like Peter, I just want to be like a person who's filled by the Holy Spirit where we see this kind of boldness and compassion and love for people that don't know Jesus. God, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for your love and concern and care for us, but thank you for your presence. And so as we close down this last worship, with this last worship song, Holy Spirit, do something you've never done in our community before. Do something in such a way that we have to make note of it because it's transformational. Truly eternity packing, impacting life transformational things. God, do a great work and bring someone to Jesus in the process. God, we love you and we worship you with this last song and we worship you in community. To you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Love you more than you know.